Hey everybody, Happy New Year 2022. It's gotta be better, doesn't it? Phil Pringle, leader of C3 Church Global, speaking with you this morning. I'm so thrilled to be with you. Everywhere around the world, we are seeing growth, expansion, increase, great moves of the Holy Spirit, especially as we recover and rebuild out of COVID and all the implications of that. Relationships, congregations, financial loss. God is a restorer. He recovers. He brings back more than we lost. He is the great redeemer of the worst of circumstances. And today I want to talk about one of those re's, the revival, the resurrection, the recovery, the restoration, rebuilding. I want to talk about resurrection because for some people, it feels like some areas have died and there's just no hope. It's gone. But happily, we've got Jesus in us and we've got Jesus on our side. And the one thing that differentiates Jesus from every other philosopher, sage, wise person, respected thinker, speaker, Plato, Seneca, any of the, the great orators and thinkers of times and history who had colleges and lectures and students. One thing very different about Jesus. Firstly, He died for His followers. He died for them as a sacrifice. Imagine the leader of a movement dying for His followers, for the movement. And then not only did He do that, He rose from the dead. He resurrected. You won't read of any other, any other teacher in history or leader in history doing that. And that is why Jesus Christ is Lord. Not only of this earth, but the universe. Of every kingdom, of every king, ruler and leader. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the God of the resurrection. And that same spirit, we're told, that lived in Him, lives in you and me. And so, as we enter this brand new year, I feel this on me as a message for us individually, for our leaders, for you and I as church members, that we will have the power of His resurrection surging in us bringing back what has been lost, helping us rise above every circumstance that's trying to drag us down, whether it's family, relationships, finances, circumstances. We refuse that and allow the life of God like a cork underwater. We pop to the surface by the power of the Holy Spirit and you and I will walk on the water, not be drowned under the water. You and I will walk on the mountains, not be overwhelmed by the mountains. You might be facing mountains of emotional stress or mountains of debt. They may seem impossible to overcome, but I need to let you know today that with God, nothing's impossible. In fact, all things are possible with Him. No mountain is bigger than God. If it's trying to tell you it's too big, you tell your mountain how big your God is. 
that He is on your side and that He can do far beyond anything that we can imagine, even in our wildest dreams. He does exceedingly abundantly above all that we dream or conceive in our imagination. So let's go to the most famous story of resurrection in the Bible, Lazarus. John 11, verse 1 to 44. It's a long passage and we haven't got all day, so I'm just going to skip through it. So let's go now. It says in verse 1, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister, Martha. Jesus loved these guys. They were friends. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So let's just stop there for a second. That's kind of weird, right? Lord, he whom you love is sick. If God loves you, how come you get sick? Things happen to us and we shouldn't see God through the filter of our circumstances. We need to see God through the filter of the Word of God. So understand this, just because you got sick, it doesn't mean God doesn't love you. In fact, she's saying the love is undisputed. It's absolute. We understand you do love. And also, just because you have sick circumstances or sick finances doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Don't doubt His love because of your circumstances. Your circumstances are not the hieroglyphics of God's message to you. It's not God's speaking to you. Sometimes it may be, but He'll make it extremely clear that it's Him. God loves you. Nothing can stop that. Nothing can prevent it. Nothing can wound that love that He has for you. It is for eternity. Unstoppable. Okay, so then it says, when Jesus heard that in verse 4, He said, this sickness is not unto death. He gives a word, a prophecy, but for the glory of God. The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Pretty good prophecy. Pretty good word from the Lord. If you've got to send a messenger off to Jesus and said, hey, we've got to, we've got to your friend is sick. And Jesus prophesied, this isn't under death. It's going to be okay. Now it says, Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Unbelievable. I, I don't get this at all. If I hear somebody sick, you kind of act immediately, don't you? You, you get on the car, on the phone, or you get in your car, or you go visit them. You say, oh, praying for you, believing with you, hoping that it, it, it all comes right. Not Jesus. He hears he's sick. He says, okay, let's just hang here for two days. The disciples are going, why? The ways of God we don't understand. So here's my second point. Just because it's delayed doesn't mean it isn't going to happen. Just because God's taking a long time, neither does it mean He stopped loving you, and neither does it mean it isn't going to happen. He stays two more days. God has this thing about taking a long time. I don't know, we should all form a committee and have a chat with Him about it because it just seems, I mean, some people say He, he, he waits until midnight. 
not my case. It's like four o'clock in the morning. I, it, 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 he, God just takes time. And we have gotten so used to living fast lives that we can sometimes get our attitude buckled, bent out of shape with God because we're trying to fit him into our schedule, into our box, our time. But I got to tell you, it still takes nine months for a baby to form in a mother's womb. It still takes 20 years for a tree to grow to its full potential. There's a lot of things that haven't changed that aren't moving faster because we can't manipulate them to do so. But everything we can, see it on the back of a bus, order it now, get it this afternoon. Drones are going to fly it in from Amazon or whatever. You, you can Uber order your meal right there before you put the phone down. Bing, there it is in your lap. No need to develop patience in this work. No, and if anything makes you wait, you, you can get an attitude. Yeah, well, you guys just took way too long. You took 30 seconds when you said you'd take 15. I mean, imagine us getting a, an attitude because of a few seconds. We, sit, we stand next to a microwave tapping our fingers. Why do these things take so long? I mean, God is not a microwave. God moves slowly and therefore deeply. And oftentimes we are just skimming across the surface and never fully being present to experience the depth and the riches that are in each moment because it's just too fast. We want to be distracted by a thousand things and be touching a million different areas and none of them really do we absorb or get close to Him. Jesus wants to teach us that, to feel the moment. And so... He begins with this negative thing. He waits two more days. He says, hey, Peter, the coffee's good here at Cafe Galilee. Bring it over. I'm going to put another line in the lake and see if I can't pull up a fish. And they're going like, Jesus, your friend is sick. And here you are fishing and you're drinking Java on the side of Lake Galilee. Yes, this is nice here. And the next day is just the same. Let's just get some more of that. That, that coffee, they make such good coffee. And then, then he decides, okay, let's, let's wander on back. <laughs> we sometimes think an urgent issue demands our stressed out, anxious response. But Jesus never let the devil set his agenda. He didn't let death set his agenda or sickness. He says, no, nah, I'm just going to hold steady. And he walked in confidence and faith. He knew what was going to happen. So he says in verse 7, okay, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, probably Thomas, well, it is Thomas in verse 16. He's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go that we may die with him. Positive leader there, <laughs> full of vision. I mean, the disciples said, Rabbi, the, the Jews sought to stone you there. Are you going to go back? Jesus, yeah, we'll go back. It's not my time yet. Thomas says, okay, sort of a heroic negative guy. Let's go and die with him. The romantic in the, in the crew is just like, what are you talking about? We, we, that, I mean, that is not Jesus' mission. His, his mission is to go and resurrect somebody, not to go and die. It just shows you how opposite our thinking can be when we're living in doubt to where God's at. His ways are not our ways. We've got to get our thoughts into Scripture. 
Get out of the news cycle, people. Get out of the, the Twitter feed. Get out of all the things that are shaping and a perspective in you that things are negative. Things are polarizing, angry, offended, all that. We need to come into the Word of God and see the mindset of Jesus is I'm going to resurrect a man. I'm going to bring somebody back to life. I'm going to get somebody who lost everything in COVID back into restoration and back into revival. So when Jesus came, He found that He'd been in the tomb four days. So pretty much once the messenger arrived, Lazarus died. And yet, how weird is this? Jesus gave a word. He gave a prophecy. This is not unto death. I beg your pardon, Jesus. The boy's dead four days by the time you turn up. What's, what's with the prophecy? This is not going to happen, end in death. It looks like it didn't work. It looks like the word was untrue. You ever had a prophecy and, and it felt right at the time and people confirmed it, but then, wow, it goes south, gets pear-shaped, looks ugly. You go, oh God, well, I just put it on the shelf, won't revisit or, or else maybe you just got a whole faith crisis and said, well, God isn't real and the whole church is no good and ministers, well, they just say things that are positive for whatever. And, but maybe rather than go there, we just stay in tune with the Lord and say, help me understand this mystery, God because there are some mysteries. Some of them you get to understand, some of them you don't. And when you hit a mystery, change gears to, to neutral. Don't get into reverse and get out of the kingdom. Just to say, God, I'm not fully understanding what is happening here. And if He chooses to let you know, well and good. If not, trust Him. Trust God. Move from an aggressive faith to a place of reposed trust. Say, I trust you, Lord. Even though I don't understand it, I trust you. Many believers have been in that place. Think of Job, couldn't understand why. What's going on in my world until after, obviously, he saw the revelation, how the devil got involved. Others who had mysteries happening, they didn't know what God was doing, like Joseph getting sold by his brothers and down into a prison and then accused unjustly of attempted rape and going up and down in his life. It's just a mess until finally his brothers are standing before him, begging for grain, and he understands this. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. It felt like evil. It felt like terrible things were happening. But you, you came through. So he's been dead for four days. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. So Martha's like God's counselor. She's the gal who tells God how he should run the universe. She's, she's a chider. You know, that kind of person. She's, she's running down the, the, the pathway to the house, wagging a finger at Jesus and you very naughty, naughty Messiah. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you'd only come when, when, when we called for you. If you'd, 
you'd only do your job like God should do his job. You're meant to turn up when people are sick and you're meant to heal them. You're meant to fix things up, God. And so instead of surrendering to you and worshipping you and thanking you, I'm going to blame you and complain to you. We make that choice, people. We make a choice to, to harden or soften, to get bitter or better when things happen in our lives. So here's Martha just chiding Jesus and, and he, he says, your brother will rise again. Here's another prophecy. Whew. Well, that first one didn't really work that well. Do you think I'm going to believe another one? Once bitten, twice shy, my friend. You know, it's like, he's got a word though. Your brother's going to rise. It's going to work. Martha said to him, I know, I've, I've been to C3 online college. <laughs> I know about the resurrection, the second coming. and the, I know all about that. Yeah, he, I know you'll rise when you come back again. Jesus said, to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever believe, lives and believes in me shall not die. Do you believe this? Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Mary says this now. Okay, so people, you've you got to get faith in the present. Because she had faith in the past. If you had been here, this could have gotten fixed. A lot of us have, have a kind of a faith like that, but it's, it, it doesn't do anything. If only I hadn't bought that house, taken that job, married that person, whatever. If only wishing and pining for a different past. You know, if you put Jesus in that past, he can rewrite it and start to bring that rewritten history into your present. As I said before, it's what Joseph did. You meant it for evil, but I'm sending God into my history. And I know that he meant it for good, even though it looked bad at the time. It's working out for good now. So she also had faith kind of in the future. Again, doesn't really work. I know that he'll rise when you come back again. I've got faith in the past, faith in the future. Jesus says, right now, I'm going to work a miracle. Bring your faith, focus it on here. I am the resurrection, not I will be or I was. That's how I was the resurrection. I will be the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection. And if you believe in me, you'll live. Now, then he says, okay, everybody, in verse 38, take away the stone. Verse 39, take away the stone. There are things that God isn't going to do that He wants you and I to do. So we should do what we can do, so He will do what we cannot do. He could have gone stone, and the stone rolls away. But He's not a magician. He doesn't do magic tricks for no point at all. He says, you roll the stone away. Whatever is heavy, like a heavy grief or a heavy grudge, that we're carrying, heavy unforgiveness, whatever. If we've got any heavy stuff, let's just roll it out today from the past, from, from the past few years where there's been a lot of pain, a lot of grief. And I am sorry for you if you have been through grief. I'm sorry that you've felt pain and if you've been through offence and challenge. I pray that there will be some healing 
here today for you. But somewhere along the line, we've got to let go of heavy stuff. You roll the stone away. And then Jesus said, actually, just wind it back a little bit. Before he did that, he said, I thank you, Father, that you've heard me. So he thanked God for something yet to happen that he had prayed about and he couldn't see the answer to because the stone was in front of that cave's mouth. There's no doubt in my mind that Lazarus was alive before they rolled that stone away. Jesus said, I thank you that you've heard me, Father. The boy was already alive. When Jesus finally gets him out of the cave, he doesn't say rise from the dead. He says, come out of there. So, so here's Lazarus walking around inside that tomb, people. He's walking around waiting for somebody to open that door and for him to get called out. He's alive. Your miracle is alive on the other side of that stone. Your miracle has happened in your future. The, the things that we are believing God for, are taken, they have taken place. Like God said to Joshua, go and possess the land. I have given it to you. The resurrection, the rebuilding, the revival, the restoration, it has taken place. Lift up your eyes above the conditions you see and see beyond that into your future a whole new day of a revival of people returning into the house of God, being restored in your family, your finances coming back, your business building again, your, your, your relationships being healed, your own heart and emotions becoming whole again. See all of what God does in a resurrection. And so once that stone was rolled away, he spoke into the tomb in a loud voice. Speak into your future. Find a place where you can do it with a loud voice. Say, in Jesus' name, I call out the miracle that I'm looking for. Out came Lazarus. All the grave clothes still on him, bound hand and foot. Again, Jesus didn't go, take him off. He said, guys, remove the, the grave cloths off, off the guy who was dead, off the dead guy. Yeah. So they do. And you and I, all of us, can get involved in helping people get rid of their past, the things that wrap them up in their history. We just help them, talking with them, unwrapping them, saying it doesn't matter so much. Hey, look, let's walk away from that. Let's not be stuck in the past. Let's just start to... But it can be a gentle process. It doesn't all have to happen in one second. Getting saved is a long process. It begins with a decision. And then once we've got rid of the grave clothes, we can put on new clothes and start to live as a disciple, not as just somebody who got saved, but somebody who's going to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. And I'd invite you into that life today. If you're a guest in one of our congregations, one of our services here today. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for coming. It's, a, it's our privilege, our, our honor to have you with us. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ. Today, I'd love you to make that decision. Say, I'm going to follow Him. Or maybe you're not sure you're going to heaven. I hope, I hope you can make sure today. Simply pray a prayer with us at the conclusion of the service. It could be some of you who are coming back. Like the, the title of this message is The Great Return. Maybe you, you're making that great return here today at the beginning of a new year. I'm so proud of you. If you're doing that, I'm thankful to God for you. Can I ask everyone to pray this prayer? And there'll be some of you who maybe it's the first time. Or maybe you're coming back. Or 
maybe you're just making sure you're going to heaven and our pastors or somebody will connect with you at the end of the service. But could you say this prayer? Dear God in heaven, thank you for Jesus. I ask him into my life today. I commit myself to follow you. Thank you, God, for saving me. Amen. God bless you. I pray for the peace of God to rest on you, His grace to be felt all over your life, His presence to fill you, and that the joy of heaven fill your heart as you look into the future of 2022. God bless you.